Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk. But a righteous man escapes trouble. Trapped. Interesting word, trapped. We've all experienced it. We've told a lie. We know it's wrong. We know the very next thing we should do is correct that, certainly to God first and then to those that we've told. We know the easiest way to admit it is when? Right now. As we continue to contrast the difference between what God loves and hates most, we'll take another hard look at you-know-who, no, not the guy next door, or the bad driver on the freeway, not even your dysfunctional relative. (laughs) Goodness knows we all have many of those. This, my friend, is directed right at you. If you're surprised, don't be. Change begins with you, and it begins in your heart. If you're ever going to get past what trips you up most, you'll have to admit you have a problem. Listen in as Pastor Mark helps us recognize and finally conquer these hurdles in our lives, as only he can. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 16, for our continuing study entitled, God's Love hate list. Proverbs chapter 6. We learned last week some interesting things, how to live in these last days, that we live holy and godly lives. Second Peter chapter 3 told us, I saw a great sign this week at a gas station that says, courteous and efficient self-service. Is that what you are? Is that what you're known as this morning, that you're kind, you're open, you're gentle? Well, there's some things that God tells us in his word that he hates. We're contrasting those with things he loves. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. You remember last week in part one of this teaching on God's love and hate list, we gave you these seven representative sins in five categories. Sin of attitude, a proud look. Sin of thought, we talked last week, a premeditated sin. Today, a sin of speech, a lying tongue and a false witness. A sin of action, we covered last week, feet that are quick to rush into evil. This week, hands that shed innocent blood. And the last sin that God hates is a sin of influence, stirring up dissension among brothers. The first one we want to talk about this morning 
is exemplified, the sin of speech, a lying tongue and a false witness. Notice in our passage in front of you that lying is referred to by God twice in verse 17 and verse 19. You see, lying is saying or representing something with the intent to deceive. Keep your finger there in Proverbs. Let's turn back to the book of John chapter 8. While you're turning there, as we speak about the sin of speech, little Emily one day came running into her house just bawling. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, Billy broke my doll. Daddy was trying to comfort little Emily, and he said, Well, Emily, how, how did he break it? And Emily said, I hit him over the head with it. <laughs> well, we did get to the truth, but it was kind of a roundabout way. You see, God has a, a desire for us to speak the truth, all the truth, not to be deceptive. Well, look what Jesus says in chapter 8 of John, verse 44. By the way, speaking to the religious people, he says this, you, you Pharisees, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Here's a very interesting statement. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus says that the origin, the source of lying is traced to Satan. We know the Bible tells us that Satan is known as the father of lies, the great deceiver, and as we just read, there is no truth in him. We remember back in the Garden of Eden that played itself out, Satan being the enemy of God and truth. As he came with a lie to Eve in the garden, she was deceived, and with that deception came physical and spiritual death. Interesting enough, the verse you're looking at in John 8, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders who didn't live like God, but rather lived like their father, Satan. They had rejected truth. They were living lies. They were plotting at the time they're even speaking to Jesus here in conversation to eventually murder him. And what Jesus is saying to them is that you are under the control of your father, who is Satan. Imagine that. So-called religious leaders under the control of Satan. How could that happen? Satan had deceived them into thinking that his lies or truth. Man, do we have that in the church today. Thinking, many of the things coming from our pulpits that are supposedly truth are in actuality lies. This deception from Satan, these deceptive habits continue this morning. I was reading of a psychologist, Bella DiPaolo, who, interestingly, teaches at the University of Virginia. Look at what she studies at the University of Virginia. Uh, she studies deception. I don't know what course that was. I didn't take it, but 
Maybe some of our presidents in the past have taken it, but here, listen to what she says in this course to our college students. Some line in life is necessary. After all, it would be a disaster if everybody were totally honest. This is the mainframe. This is the concept. This is the moral attitude in our colleges. Well, you say, well, how does that work out in life, Pastor Mark? Well, let me show you. You don't have to go to the college campus. Let me give you an illustration this morning. Your son or daughter has just turned 12. You're in the line to purchase your movie tickets. At age 12, there's a difference. You're to pay the adult ticket price. It's only two bucks. And you look at your son and daughter, pretty small, <laughs> kind of like I was, or still am. And you look at them, and you don't want to pay the extra two bucks. Is it important? Does anybody in that line with you know that they're 12? Your son and daughter knows. And see, what, we're, what we'd be saying as a parent is this. If as a parent we're dishonest, then by our own example, in something that small, we're saying to our child, there's some cases where it's okay to, in this particular case, to steal and to lie. Difficult, but true. You see, that child is learning from his parent or parents that sometimes... It's okay to lie. Now, when we speak about lying, it's difficult because there isn't a person in this building this morning that hasn't lied. If you haven't lied this morning ever in your life, can I see your hand? I'm waiting because <laughs> we already got you. You're lying right now. We have all lied. So when we mention this, you see, in our society today, truth is almost like this. Tell the truth if it's convenient. If it isn't, well, do what you need to do. And sometimes what we do with what we need to do is known as the little white lie. I was reading another psychologist. I love the title of his book. This is an actual book that he's written until I read a little bit of the book. The book's title is this. How to behave so your children will too. Makes sense. Listen to one of his opening statements. It is okay to tell your children little white lies if these lies are in their best interests. Well, no, that isn't right. I mean, how can you write that in a book of how to raise children? A lying tongue is something God hates. Austin O'Malley, speaking about little white lies, says this. Those who believe it's all right to tell little white lies soon grow colorblind. You see, it begins to expand. Turn back with me. You were in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 11. You see, there's, there's an area that moves now from the individual area to the corporate world. There's an area of truth that needs to be in our corporations, in our business life, in our places of work. Solomon spoke to it in Proverbs 16.11. says this, Honest scales and balances are from Publix. Hmm. 
No, they're from who? The Lord. And all the weights in the bag are of his making. You see, Satan loves to take his dishonest tactics into our business world. Solomon speaking in those days, of course, the weights and balances today, everything is computerized. Can you imagine going into Publix and, and buying a, a pound of their roast beef, the boar's head, which most of us just look at it and then we buy the two ninety nine ham or whatever that's there. But can you imagine looking at it and, and while the man's weighing it out, he's got his finger on the scale. Now you and I don't care for his finger. We want the boar's head or we want the two ninety nine. dollars 99 And we say, hey, stop it. Well, in these days, it was the same kind of thing. The weights, the balances, they had to be honest. There had to be that corporate honesty that was necessary. Think of all the dishonesty we hear and see at our work. Think about the word Wall Street. Billions and trillions of money, dollars. Any dishonesty? Man, we've seen that in the papers. Incredible. Well, move that from that corporate area to a very maybe touchy subject this morning you put in for last Friday to be off at work you had something you had to do your supervisor turned it down so on Thursday night you're thinking hmm I need tomorrow off well I have some extra sick days I'll just call in sick how come you answered that let me go down here for a few moments <laughs> so when you say well pastor mark it was very important i had to do it that day and the reason i called in sick is because i do have those days coming to me and if i don't use them they just throw them away plus my supervisor should have given me the day off you can self-justify it all you want what we've done is sin if you've done that then you've been dishonest. The scales, the eight hours of work you were to put in is dishonest. It's a lie. God hates it. Now, if I've done that in a home setting and my children see that, it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth. Then I go to work Tuesday and somebody says, well, how are you feeling? I, I heard you, you know, I was here working Friday and you were near. The boss said you were sick. I was okay. I needed the day off. I'm fine now. Oh, by the way, would you come next weekend to church with me? we got a great thing going on there. Is there a problem? You see, we look at it in the corporate world and say, well, there's no problem. It's just a little thing. No, it's not a little thing. God hates dishonesty. He hates dishonest scales. The same way when you and I go into work and we work for eight hours, and we ourselves at the end of eight hours know we put in about four but we played around the rest of the day. Now, the boss doesn't know it. The co-workers don't know it. But we know it. Well, it's all right. I just didn't feel like putting it in today. Is that honest or dishonest? It's totally dishonest. It's as if, which none of us would do, would have marked our time card wrong. That's dishonest. That's a lie. So the Bible says all of these kind of simple things are lies. Look at Proverbs 12. Turn back. Proverbs 12, verse 13. God's word is so practical, we need his help and his encouragement as we live life that we would live as God designed. In Proverbs 12, 13, it says this, An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. 
trapped. Interesting word, trapped. We've all experienced it. We've told a lie. We know it's wrong. We know the very next thing we should do is correct that, certainly to God first and then to those that we've told. We know the easiest way to admit it is when? Right now. But we don't. We're trapped. And pretty soon it goes on and on and on. And what we find in our life that one lie often leads to another. I was reading an actual story this week. A guy counted up. This must have been a doozy of a lie. But after he finished lying, he told 42 lies to cover up the first. Now that's a lot of forgiving he's going to have to go through. That word trap means just what it says. There's no freedom. We're trapped. Now, some of you this morning wish you'd never have come. You're trapped. You're right in the middle. God's Word is speaking to a situation in your life. Kidding aside, you've lied. You're living a lie right now. You're involved in it. You, you know you should have asked God's forgiveness. You know you should have corrected with the person. And I want to say to you this morning, don't leave this building today trapped. Confess your sin. Go to the people that you need to make it right. It doesn't matter if it's 2 or 42. Get it taken care of. God hates a lying tongue. Not only does he hate it, but we live with that trapped feeling. Now, for those of you that are old enough to understand this statement, you young guys don't get it, but us that are over 50 will understand this statement. Listen to this. Tell the truth the first time, and you won't have to worry about having a bad memory. That's why it's for those 50 and over. You see, if, we're not, if we don't play around with lies, we don't have to think, what am I really saying? No, just... Just say it like it is. God hates all of Turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. What does God think of lying? We, we know he hates it. Are there any other warnings from God? Well, boy, in verse 8, chapter 21, we see it. Look what we read. But the cowardly, the unbelieving... The vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what does all this have to do? And there's none of those kind of people in here. Hold on. The idolaters and all what? All liars. Those who have lied and have never asked God's forgiveness. Just continue in that habit. All liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. There are no liars in heaven. Now that balances out this little white lie deal quickly. It's serious. Now the opposite of lying is truth. Truth is part of God's character. In fact, there's a great statement in the Bible. You heard me already say it this morning. The Bible tells me that God cannot lie. John 17, 17, Jesus says this, Sanctify them, speaking to his disciples by the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, God's word, his Bible, is truth, all of it. That's why Satan is always attacking the Bible. He knows it's true. Just think about this this morning. The Bible itself has stood the test of time. 
But there's many people this morning saying that this word is not true. But it is true. It's all true. It's God's word. It's his character. The Holy Spirit is that spirit of truth for us this morning. How wonderful next week and the following week when I talk from Book of Proverbs on marriage and family. How to get along. How to pick the right spouse. Is it wonderful to be able to say, if you come next week, if you bring a, a neighbor, a friend, someone who's struggling in their marriage, do you know the truth of this will change their life if they'll let it? Gal left the service last night. She says, I know you don't know me by name. And I said, well, I recognize you because a few weeks before she had come, gotten saved, their marriage was a total disaster. She says, I want to tell you something. My husband has agreed to come to the Lord. He wants to work on our marriage and put our marriage back together. She just smiling like it be. Now, how did that happen? Because of me? No, because the truth of God's word. You get your life straight. You put God first. All other things will fall into place. You see, that's the truth, that's the ability that we have this morning to say, I don't care what Satan says to you, God's word is true. And it changes lives still today. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, Paul speaking, We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You see, when we hear the word of God, often we're guilty. Paul says, as a teacher of God's word, I can't hold it back from you. I can't use deceptive ways. I can't distort the truth. Even if it's still unpopular, I must teach all the word of God. Now, truth by definition is narrow. Truth by definition is narrow. Now you say, well, what does that mean, Pastor Mark? What, what does the truth have to do with our lives? When, when we talk about marriage next week, I will say to you this, there's only one marriage that God approves of. One man and one woman under God. Now our world today, especially our sitcoms, would say that's not true. Well, I'm sorry, they're wrong. And God's word is true. Let every other man be a liar. God's word is true. Now, we don't say that in a hateful way, but we say it in a truthful way. Now, there are some churches today, as Paul said in this verse, notice, they're going to be in deception. They're going to distort. They're going to say, it doesn't matter, but it does matter. Now, we're not here to make people angry, but we're sure here to have people hear the truth. When Jesus taught, there were always usually three responses. Some people would hear the word, and they would say this, okay, you got me. In fact, when Jesus taught versus when the Pharisees taught, you know what the people said? Read in the first few chapters of Mark. They said this, we never heard, wow, we never heard teaching like this because it was truth. It was from God's heart. It was Jesus speaking the truth. We were just reminded that Satan is known as the father of lies. We know that, but we can't hear it enough. Where truthfulness is concerned, we're either a child of God or a spawn of the devil. Pastor Mark referenced scripture that says, Evil men are trapped by lies, but righteous men escape trouble. Honesty is always the best policy, so hold fast to God's truth so you can successfully elude the pitfall and do life right. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. God wants us to be authentic, honest, and truthful in every area of our lives. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, we'll learn that if you adopt this kind of godly integrity... It will define your life and positively impact you and those around you. The world is a crazy place where wrong is right and right is wrong. Don't forget to tune in and hear how to make sure you're not a contributing factor in this upside-down way of life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world a new hope he is giving lord let us hear